This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. With me today is Dr. Zoe Williams. I'm super excited to meet her. How she's got time to do this, I don't know. When she's a regular on This Morning, she's been right across the BBC network. She's done things like The One Show, Trust Me, I'm a Doctor. In 2017, she founded the nonprofit organization Fit for Life CIC for young people who have the most challenging lives. She's also an NHS GP. Um, She's been on Gladiators and pregnant. I mean, this is a multitasking Dr. Zoe. How lovely to chat to you. Oh, thank you. Great. It does make me sound like I'm busy, doesn't it? I'm so delighted to be here chatting to you, Emma. Thanks so much. Well, you're definitely a multitasker, that's for sure. And I have to say, I was, I was, you know, knowing that I was going to be interviewing you, I went back. Because, of course, the one thing I can't get in America is this morning. I mean, unless I can see, I can see highlights, but I can't see the whole program because I'm obviously not in the right country. So I was going through and I was so fascinated. I thought this is where I'm going to start off the chat because basically I watched the first announcement when Phil and Holly are asking you about this weird new virus. So should you be worried? Well, Dr. Zoe joins us now with the latest. Should we be worried? So the, the, our government have just upgraded it from very low risk to low risk. So we shouldn't be too worried. There have been no cases identified so far. Should we be worried? And you're like, well, at the moment, it's only in China and there's been seven. And it it was honestly, I don't know if anybody else has done this, but if you watch it like that. Yeah. It was so extraordinary. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a real you you saw it building, if you like. And because I kept seeing you back with the same. Well, it was either Eamon Ruth or Phil and Holly and this kind of story evolve. And then, of course, you got Corona. Yes. Yes, I got it quite early. So I got it in March last year. But I know exactly which interview you're talking about, because I remember and I've reflected so many times on the fact that the words that came out of my mouth were, and this is based on, you know, the best evidence. This is based on what World Health Organization thought on what Public Health England thought. But I actually said the words, it's highly unlikely that there will be any cases of this in the UK. And then, gosh, what happened? And then, yeah, just a couple of months later, I I got it um, in March last year. It was, you know, quite lucky. I wasn't severely unwell, but it wasn't pleasant, I tell you. It well, I, again, I watched that off. interview and, and, and it was sort of, it was good to see in a way because you, you were very much like, look, if I'd have, you know, I'm super fit. If I'd have had the flu or a cold, a couple of days later, I'd have been in the gym and you were like, I'm on day 10. I'm on the show now because I'm not contagious, but I'm not in the gym. I'm exhausted. I mean, it's not a walk in the park, is it, Corona? Even when you get it in a sort of more mild version. Yeah, it was was two months before I was able to train again. And exercise is such a big part of my life. You know, it's my passion. It's what keeps me well. Um, And it was interesting because even say it's sort of two, three weeks after um, I'd had the illness and I was only really, I was unwell for less than a week. 
Um, yeah. But several weeks later, the thought of going for a run was just, I just wasn't interested, which is very unlike me. And yeah, I'd say two months before I was back to doing what I'd normally do. So for somebody yeah. who is young, healthy, no underlying conditions, very fit, it, it was a bit of a warning to to me and, you know, to inform other people that even if you get a mild illness, you're better off not having it. Honestly, trust me. You know, with the vaccine, as we know, it causes huge controversy. I've had the vaccine and I had a reaction to the second one. And everybody's so frightened of having a reaction to it. But the reaction that I had, which literally when I say my doctor was like, it'll be gone in 12 hours. And normally, you know, you think, oh, that, that's a doctor like stringing me on a little bit. And, you know, oh, don't worry, another two days. It literally was almost to the hour it goes. It's like a surreal reaction because you're kind of you're ill, but you're not ill. I mean, yeah. I can't describe it. it was very weird, but it did just last 12 hours. But after that, I was just like, oh my God, if that was a flavor of what Corona might have been, then I am so happy. Why would you want to even attempt to have it? Like, or, you know, put yourself at risk. Those short-lived um, symptoms like what you had, which often, it's the same with the flu vaccine. We often say yeah. it's flu-like symptoms that you get. And it does tend to come very quickly and then disappear very quickly. And that's because it's your immune, it's actually a good sign. It means your immune system is responding to the vaccine. The immune system yeah, is and recognizing it it that tiny little protein that we've put into your body on purpose. It's responding to it and it's starting to do its work so that if you then do come across the actual virus, it can jump on it and eliminate it straight away. So, so I think in, sometimes it sounds a bit strange, but having mild side effects, if they're short-lived from a vaccine, is, is quite a good thing. It's quite a good thing. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, for me, but as I say, I know it's usually controversial. So I always sort of hate talking about it, unless I'm talking to, to a doctor where I know I'm sort of, you know, we can chat about it. But I, I also, I don't know how you feel, and I know probably it's been an extraordinary year for you because you also got, you know, pregnant in lockdown and everything like that. But it does seem almost surreal. And as I say, last night was the first time I've sort of consecutively seen how this thing, I guess by marking it with watching you doing it, was was you realize the speed at which this thing changed the world. I mean, it's not just the, it's just changed everything. And I was thinking about you being pregnant, thinking how amazing Then I thought, but did that mean you had to go for your scans on your own? Did that mean, all these things that we take for granted, because I was thinking, how lovely, because I, you know, I took my mum to one of my scans. I'm guessing you couldn't take anybody to a scan, could you? Well, um, the first scan I had, no, I had to go on my own. So my partner yeah. sat outside the hospital and actually fell asleep on a bench. Um, <laughs> but then... Um, of course, you know, we're very lucky. We were able to, what we did is we paid and had a private scan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That that so that he could come. Um, you know, yeah. everybody's able to do that. But then subsequently at the hospital where I'm being seen for my antenatal care, um, Stuart's been able to come along. What they do with the men is they make them wait outside whilst you check in, you have your blood test, you have your weight done, all of that. And then when you're actually in the scan room, you, um, you're allowed to ring them and tell them which room and they just come straight up. They're there for the scan. And, then and that's you, it. So, oh, I'm glad that's happened. I'm yeah. glad that's happened. Because again, it's all these things that that I guess we did take for granted, um, you know, and I, and it's been amazing how, you know, the TV show you're on this morning, how that's managed to keep going despite yeah. all the adversity and they found yeah. ways to do it. And that's where I think creativity has been brilliant. And I know that you're passionate about fitness and, and the exercise is your, you know, is your big passion as well as your, you know, knowing the benefits of it. 
And I guess too, for people, that's been quite a challenge, you know, because we all know that that's what we should be doing. And we all know, you know, and I'm speaking for myself too. I mean, I actually have found a passion for yoga during lockdown that, oh, that, that I never knew I had because I've joined this Zoom with this fantastic lady and she happens to be amazing and I've loved doing that. But actually getting out and about and being in fresh air and being able to do something else, you know, people have really had to put their minds to it, haven't they? And find ways or places to go or how to sort of exercise in your own home if you can't get to a gym using, I don't know, water bottles as weights and stuff like that. <laughs> how yeah, have you inspired I, others? I, I think that's right. I think in the first lockdown, we saw that for a number of people, actually, physical activity levels went up because yeah. the only thing we were allowed to do, actually, other than shop for essentials, was to go out once a day for, for exercise. It was almost like exercise and physical activity got a bit of a rebrand in that rather than it being something that we oh, we have to do, we should do, it was something that we were allowed to do. And, you know, one of the few things we could talk about, oh, what did you do for your exercise today? Yeah. But, Subsequently, lockdown two, lockdown three, we've seen physical activity rates really plummet. And lots of reasons for that. You know, people just have lost that motivation. Um, yeah. People homeschooling and making it much more difficult to have time for yourself. Um, and also the weather as we went into winter, people are less likely to want to go outside. And um, and now I think we're kind of, you know, the, the sun's starting to shine again. Yeah. And we're coming out of lockdown and I think it's an opportunity to, as we go back to our normal lives or as our new normal lives, um, there's an opportunity to think about how we can try and incorporate some physical activity. And I always say, you know, if you've been working from home and you're now going back to work and the I get the tube to work to my GP practice and it's getting the last two weeks, it's getting much busier. Thinking about ways to use active transport, can you yeah. actually cycle? I've got an e-bike which is yeah. great because that means yeah. if I'm cycling slightly further distances, even whilst pregnant, it gives you that bit of assurance. So thinking that I always say, you know, if you want to incorporate regular physical activity to get all the health benefits into your day, into your week, and you're somebody who doesn't really enjoy exercise because not everybody loves it like I do, then if you commute to work, that's the best way to do it because that way you're guaranteed to do 10 bouts of exercise every week which are probably going to add up to the recommended guidelines of 150 minutes and it saves you money you know it's good for the environment and you, once you get used to it, it becomes a habit yeah I think it's all about that how one you know because I think definitely people have uh, you know the, the, I think they'll definitely approach their health maybe differently I think it's definitely had that good knock-on effect I mean I, I talk about that in terms of like people that I've spoken to, whether I be interviewing them or friends of mine, everybody's like, oh my God, health is so important. Like we've got to take care of our health. And I think for me, for my sanity, I think mental health, which as we know has been so hugely talked about, thank goodness, but it's also been much more prevalent and mental health has been so challenged during this time. For me, getting out when I'm feeling anxious or stressed and actually doing a big stomping walk with the dog or going and doing something has literally been my savior. Cause it does, it triggers, I don't know what it does. I don't know the science behind it, but it definitely helps lift a mood. I thought, think for want of a better word. It does. And there's loads of science behind it. There are so many different reasons why. So the exercise itself, that changes your brain chemistry. So people have heard of endorphins. So it releases a whole bunch of happy hormones. And um, if you regularly exercise, it can actually change the anatomy of your brain as well. You can actually lay down 
nerve tissue in a different way uh, it can reduce your risk of developing dementia mm. and things like that in the future um, but in addition to that being in nature um, yeah. you know we're learning more and more about the benefits of just being in nature things like if you're looking at a tree seeing the repetitive shapes of leaves so thousands and thousands of exactly the same shape repeated there's some there's some way in which the brain connects with that and sees that as nature and it has a calming effect also there's loads of theories around some of the chemicals that plants emit and how that's good for our brains but there are you know really robust studies now saying that spending time in nature forest bathing is really good for alleviating stress count yourself lucky that you were pregnant in lockdown (laughs) I count myself lucky that my babies are huge grown-up babies because the homeschooling (laughs) my friends that have been homeschooling I'm like that added another level to people's lockdowns I mean I actually genuinely I have quite a few conversations with my kids they were going mum you would never have been I don't think I'd have been able to do that I mean I couldn't do their homework from when they were about I mean, I loved the kind of six-year-old one where I'd make amazing things out of matchsticks and help them with the drawing. But I mean, get to an older level. And some people who've got three children at three different levels. I I mean... Trying to work as well. It is really unbelievable. And I think a couple of years ago, if you'd have suggested that this was even possible, people would have said no. But to every single person out there who has been working and homeschooling and cooking, cleaning and doing it all, you did it. Well done. Amazing. Massive yeah. pat on the back. My nephew's 11. Um, so on a few occasions, I said to my brother, or oh, when, you know, if he's a bit bored, he wants a lesson, I'll speak to him. I'll, I'll, I'll teach him some science. It's incredible what they know. So I said to him, <laughs> right, what do you think is the function of the skin? Well, Auntie Zoe, I think that it keeps the body warm. It keeps the body. I'm like, how do you know this? I mean, last night my son was doing, well, he was doing something for his university because obviously he's been university, but doing it at home. And he came and he said, mum, it's your subject tonight. So I said, what is it? He's like, stats. He read me the question. I said to him, I don't even understand the question, let alone <laughs> what on earth the answer would ever be. So I, as I say, I do thank my lucky stars that that, um, but that's not part of my life. I mean, goodness, I don't. I just don't think I could have done that. I wanted to chat to you about the um, about the gladiators because obviously I remember yeah. gladiators when Ulrika used to be part of that, and yeah. that sort of, and that it's really evolved. I just always used to think it's such an amazing thing to be a gladiator because what a thing just to call yourself when people go like, imagine when your baba that comes out says, you know, my mum used to be a gladiator. It's like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> You know, it, it's the it's the one thing where I, I do look back and just think I am actually really proud of what I did. And I am proud to say I was a gladiator. Um, yeah. like, I do think what an incredible thing to do, because when Ulrika and Fash were presenting it back in the 90s, um, I was a teenager and I loved that show. I loved, oh, so I loved that it. Show. Yeah, it was just it was the best thing on TV. Well, that and Live and Kicking, of course. Well, thank um, you. You had to put that and, in, but thank you. <laughs> and, and, and when Gladiators came back on Sky 10 years ago, and I started watching it, and I was a junior doctor, I originally applied to be a contestant. They asked me to audition to be a Gladiator. And then I remember I was on the, the ward at the RVI Hospital in Newcastle. I got this phone call saying... <laughs> You, know, how you are you a gladiator. And wearing lycra for the next couple of months. And I just thought, this, is this really happening? This can't be real. Um, and for me, you know, I've, I come from very humble beginnings. And my 
major ambition in life was always to be a doctor when that came true I just thought you know what my life is made and the next thing I think I'm a doctor and I'm a gladiator it just it you know it made me think anything is possible um, yeah whatever your ambitions are and I do some work with young people children and young people now who come from very deprived background, background. is that your that's your um the the profit order non-profit organization the fit yeah. for life clc so, that, so tell me about that because that too is just that must be a great thing to be part of yeah well for me you know exercise and physical activity have been a big part of my life since i was young and and i think that without that i wouldn't have experienced the things i have and i wouldn't have achieved the things that i have it's it's helped me grow in confidence it's helped me overcome asthma yeah um it's it's been a really important part of my life and I think that physical activity for children is so important but we know that so many young people don't get enough of it so that's how fit for life started originally um my my aim was to work with teenage girls to encourage them to be more active and teach them about the benefits of physical activity but working in that sector of young people, we discovered, myself and my business partner, Dawn, we discovered that there was one group of young people who really seem to be left out when it comes to investment in physical activity. And it's, it's young people who've been permanently excluded from school. So yeah. our work tends to focus on young people in pupil referral units or who are at high risk of being excluded. And they tend to be the most vulnerable young people in society. And, uh, and we work with those young people to co-create physical activity programs um, as a way, and the physical activity is kind of the tool in a way, but it's a way of engaging with them. We work with incredible mentors, most of our work's in Birmingham at the moment, who they build those relationships with. And I think, you know, for some of the young people that we work with, we believe our intervention could be the difference between them remaining yeah. on a path which is leading to potentially crime potentially death you know we've had some really we've we've lost two young people from the groups we've been working with um, and puts them on a different path helps them see their potential it gives them an you know exercise gives them an outlet for some of the frustration or the inevitable anger of the way their life is going the exercise can be a really great outlet for that and as you say then set them on a path where they would never get that break basically I guess that's what it is they need the break of somebody going I believe in you you can do this giving them a challenge of yeah. exercise exactly when I when I was 13 and I was choosing which options to do for my GCSEs with good intentions my teachers said that being a doctor you know probably wasn't really realistic and I should come up with ambitions that that are more achievable and and I just don't think any child should hit no matter who you are or what your background no. is children should are we you know we have these hashtags it's hashtag yes you can um it's not where you start it's where you end up and we believe you know some of these young people we work with they're viewed by society often as bad kids but they're not they're incredible and they've got such potential just their unfortunate life circumstances have meant that they've ended up maybe doing something that's viewed by society as naughty and and now they've got they're in a referral unit. I mean, I'm a great believer in that. I always think kids should have, you know, they should always have a passion and follow their dreams. And my son's little nursery school he went to, I remember it was such a sweet thing. They did a thing at the end. They did like a little book, you know, like a little goodbye book. And they put a little picture of each child and they'd ask them what they wanted to be when they grew up. And then they wrote that underneath. And it was so sweet because obviously it's things like, you know, a spaceman, a fireman, 
you know, a doctor. It was it was all these guys. My son wanted to be a footballer. That didn't happen either. But, you know, it, it's so important that, that they believe that because everybody should have the chance to be that because actually out of that, probably somebody will go to the moon or do yeah, something well, like that. You know, they all need to be led to believe it's possible for, for that one person who might go on to, I don't know, save the world. Exactly. For COVID-19. Well, exactly. I mean, we've got, we definitely, we definitely need the next generation. Somebody has got to kind of come up with that. I mean, mind you, I have been blown away by the, by the work, I guess, that's been put into it, but I was laughing. So I didn't know. And I actually, as I say, you know, because of being in America, I don't watch this morning long enough, but, but out in America, I was thinking back when I was looking at all the, the early footage of all these ridiculous things in the beginning that we thought were going to help with it, you know, and, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I but I did so many of them. I mean, if I could have done, and also the things, that, the, the sort of protocol we went through. I mean, I used to get food delivered. I'd leave it outside for at least three hours, yeah. wear rubber gloves, wash everything. I mean, we did all these things, but I mean, I guess nobody knew. Um, That's it. The uncertainty. And as it unraveled in the advice around face coverings, don't wear them, then do wear them. Wear them, don't wear them, wear double we're triple, we're nothing. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it has been, and I, I get it because obviously everybody was struggling to find the right, the right thing. But I mean, it has done this journey of just like, you know, what do we do? Do we stand six feet apart? Then somebody, I remember somebody here going, who made up six feet apart? How do we know six feet? And it was from some sort of ancient something or other for social distancing. It had to be this. And then they were like, should it be three feet apart? Should it be nine feet? I mean, it's impossible, isn't it? It really is. And then and I think you know, people have become aware of, of SAGE, the scientific advisory group that advises the government and, and SAGE have been, there are two main groups. There's the one group that looks at the virus and how the virus behaves and therefore scientifically what we should be doing. But the other group that haven't had as much press, they're experts in human behaviour. And, and they look at human behaviour. So they look at what happens. Well, if we tell people to stand three metres apart, how many people will do it? How How is, is that yeah. possible for people or will they just ignore it? Whereas if we ask them to stand two metres apart, well, you know, that might not be quite as effective at stopping transmission, but significantly more people will be willing to, to do that. So there's this yeah. whole other aspect of, um, that we haven't heard that much about. And we, I think, you know, the general public aren't always aware that, that that's always thrown into the mix as well. That's what we have. No. Well, I never thought I'd live in a day where there were TV commercials telling me how to wash my hands. That was hilarious. I, know, I, mean, I, I just thought, honestly, we're being, we actually need to be taught. I mean, there were, there were proper serious ads of saying, you know, and put your hands under the water first. Then I was like, wow, this is kind of extraordinary. And then now a real... Yeah, and then there's a real sign of the times now because I thought one of my favourite TV series is Grey's Anatomy. And there was a new series that came out of COVID. I was like, yeah, perfect. But it was all about COVID. They, they, it, yeah, they're dealing with COVID. How are they up to about series five of Grey's Anatomy? Oh, my God. Well, let me tell you, the, the, the latest one, if you're in a pandemic, to watch Grey's Anatomy dealing with a pandemic, it's like the most stressful TV. I only watched a couple of episodes. I thought, because normally you could watch it and go, it's a bit far-fetched or it's, yeah. you know, whatever. But if you're watching your favourite TV show, even with the beautiful, you know, doctors and all the rest of it, dealing with the pandemic. But I was like, no, this is, I, I have to draw the line here because it's too stressful for me. I mean, I found that the, the news... After a while, I had to like really limit my news me intake. Too. Me too, yeah. which was for me was impossible because early on, so I guess the first six months or so, really, of the pandemic, um, my media role, I was so busy. 
talking about COVID. So I had to be on top of everything. And it, yeah. it really affected my mental health, actually. I got to a point where I'd wake up, the first thing I do was the radio's on, the news is on. Yeah. Overnight, so that if I'm asked to do a radio, I'm completely up to speed. Uh, and it got to a stage, it was when the Nightingale Hospital opened, where I had to have a bit of a break from it. And I thought, do you know what? I actually need a bit of a media break and I need a bit of a news break. So I volunteered and went and worked at the the Nightingale, it was quite short-lived because it was only up for a few, um, running for a few weeks. That's right, but yeah. That was kind of almost, I had permission from everybody to not do media for a while because I was working there. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was tough. And that was one of the big, the, the, the big bits of advice that was given to people generally was it's important to stay up to date, but one piece of news a day. So whether that is reading your newspaper or just watching the nine o'clock news once, yeah, I noticed with my mum, you know, who's 86, you know, she, because people, elderly people were isolated on their own, she watched the news all day and I kept ringing and she was getting more and more worried and I kept saying to just try to watch something else. I said, please switch over onto something. I said, watch Friends, do anything, but like stop watching the news because they were, understandably, I'm sure part of them going like, when is this over? Like, when can I see, you know, because time is precious when you're 86. And so yeah. she was sort of, feeding on it which then fed into me you know and I I noticed that if I took a day off media I had a better day there was always somebody that would spoil it I had a I would always have a friend that would go oh my god did you see the news today <laughs> I'd be like today is my day off the news I said so unless it's like global and I need to know this instant tell me tomorrow because it really made a difference taking a day off yeah and, well, and it was so impossible to escape it you actually had to take measures to block coronavirus yes. news out because if you yeah. turn on the tv it's all over the tv if you go anywhere a newspaper a magazine it's all over that as you say even Grey's Anatomy the most recent series <laughs> and, you know it's COVID-19 so oh and there's a movie there's a movie about it as well my son showed me the trailer the other day he said should we watch this I'm like no, we're no. living this. We don't need to watch. We used to watch programs like the day, you know, the film like the day after tomorrow. I remember seeing that movie thinking, well, that's ridiculous or contagion. Now I'm like, yes. I never want to see those movies. So now on a more sort of positive note, I want to chat to you about your baby, but I also want to chat to you about the fact that anybody medical I've been interviewing now in more recent things, as we sort of seem, and I, I say it tentatively, but we seem to be coming out the other side. We seem to be edging our way towards that new normal or the new normal of living with COVID. Do yeah. you think, and I'm obviously asking everybody because I basically want somebody to give me the answer I want, which is <laughs> don't worry, Emma, by, you know, June the 3rd, life's complete. <laughs> Do you think we will ever have the life we had pre-COVID? Do you think we'll ever have a semblance of that? Or is this like, is this the new normal? Um, no, I think I think we will. I think we're on our way out of this. And there is this talk and this risk of there being a third wave. And a lot of this is based on things that have happened with pandemics in the past. But but the vaccine programme, and I know there's that caveat that there are these new variants, but the vaccine programme really is the thing that means we can gradually continue Hopefully, yeah. and I'm, I say hopefully, I'm an optimistic person, but I think it's reasonable to say that almost definitely things are going to continue to get better and not go backwards now. We're, 
this it's not going to disappear you know a year from no. now there'll still be cases of coronavirus two years from now there may still be cases and in the same way that you know we live with flu and flu is a normal part yeah. of our lives we don't freak out that much about it yet several thousand people die i was going to say we forget that flu was so big flu. So, except for this past year obviously because um that's you know one of the small silver linings wasn't it that colds and flu drastically yeah. and that's more from the mask wearing right yeah. yeah yeah so from the mask wearing the physical distancing like all the measures yeah. hand washing that we've been taking people staying at home and not going into work um in fact for all infectious diseases they've had yeah if you i saw this really funny meme and it was people pretending to be the different infectious diseases but there was one that was chicken parts it's like do you think what do you think i'll ever come back i haven't infected a child for seven months um, <laughs> I know, but it's true, isn't it? Because there used to be things like if you if you worked in a big office and one person got the norovirus, I mean, it was yes. pretty much a done deal that the yeah. entire place would be taken down. And actually, yeah. I guess that is an upside, really. Yeah, so our infection control measures moving forwards will be much better. But what I think, you know, the future of coronavirus is that it's definitely going to be with us. We're going to be living with it for the next few years. There's a chance it might go away completely. But that's nothing to be too worried or too concerned about. Um, we shouldn't worry about it any more than we worry about worry about flu. But for the time being, the vaccination programme rollout in the UK, we've now started doing the rapid testing at home. So all adults yes. can yeah. do two tests a week at home. That's to identify the asymptomatic cases of, of COVID. And then the sort of general guidelines, the hands, face, space, fresh air, we need to continue with all of that for the time being. And it may be that we need to continue that with that for many, many months to come. But with that, alongside that, I think we can continue to open things up. People can start going back to work. I think we'll be seeing things like events, music events, festivals. Oh, it's all going to come back. I think we're going to get back to a pretty much normal life, but it will be a slightly new normal. I think people are going to continue to wear masks on public transport, maybe forever, especially if you've got a cold. Um, yeah, you see, I don't mind that. I almost see, see it as a respectful thing to do that. I mean, I would feel much happier because I live abroad and I did a lot of traveling. The one thing that used to drive me nuts was getting on planes and then you'd, you'd get on a plane, you always you'd think I've got seven hours and there'd be somebody coughing and I'd yeah. be like, oh my God, yeah. somebody coughing. For... So actually wearing the mask on a plane to me seems like, okay, maybe that's a good thing. But I keep taking comfort in the fact that when you look at the previous pandemic, a hundred years ago, it was followed by the roaring twenties and they were all yeah. having a great time. Yeah. They partied. They weren't wearing a mask. They were wearing flapper dresses. I'm like, okay, maybe that's maybe that's our little goal. But yeah. you're going to become a mama, which is so exciting. I know. I'm not going to be out there partying, am I? No, you're you're, you're going to be having a different. I can tell you. That's where I can tell you what that would be. You'll be. <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to give up the partying for good. I've done my fair okay. share. Um, I've had a very exciting, fun life, and I'm ready to, to now dedicate the next however many years to this this little baby so no it'll be exciting and it's and it's sort of I was thinking about it I was thinking gosh you know bringing them into to you know they will be born in a pandemic if you know it's an yeah. extraordinary time when they're older and you'll be able to say well the year that you were born and conceived in was when the world was going through this mad time and I think that'll be sort of incredible really I mean and and there's nothing better I I loved it because when, again, when I was reading about you, you said I had two ambitions. One was to be a doctor and one was to be a mother. And, yeah. and I got to tell you, I wanted to be a TV presenter and I wanted to be a mother. Oh. And so because I'm 
so much older than you. I was going to say, you know, enjoy every second of it because I, I, the the only bit I found a real struggle was doing the work and the the parenting bit. Some people are so brilliant at it. And I, I, I struggled with that because I just thought I can't miss a second of this. Like I just, I mean, I just used to make the, you know, when I had, particularly when I had my first daughter and I'd, I'd gone around the whole of the BBC, let me tell you, and ITV going, I'll probably be back in two weeks. Um, and I literally remember saying to nurses, I mean, how embarrassing, because I, I blame hormones. I used to say, have you ever seen a more beautiful, but have you ever like delivered a more beautiful baby? And they're so sweet nurses. They go, no, Emma, we haven't. And I'd be like, because I know like this baby looks, but I mean, like mine is like, she's, she's perfect, right? She's completely. <laughs> and it's such I can remember those times with such love so I wish you such love for it make the most of every single ounce of it because yeah it just Thank is you. such a great moment but it's so great you're on this morning because I feel like of all the tv shows yeah that's the one to have a baby on because when you do something like live and kicking it was a very difficult show because I was like everybody's mother so I couldn't be sort of in a mini skirt and biker boots pregnant it yeah. just didn't go with that whole vibe but on this morning, you've got oh, Holly, who's a mom. You've got Phil, yeah. Phil, who's a dad. Like you, and can... it's such a family. It's a such yeah. a family there. And I know as soon as I have the baby, there'll be as long as it's allowed. Yes, at the moment. But by the time the baby comes, I think things will be a bit more relaxed. They could have a this morning baby, and you could do like baby yoga, baby cranial. I mean, oh. there's so many things you should be doing. I'm, I'm, I'm writing these down. No, but you should, honestly, because <laughs> actually all those things when I had a baby, I would have, I did have cranial with my second one, but only because I'd heard about it then. But all these things that you could help people with, Zoe, I mean, you really could. You could have baby Wednesdays or something on this. Yes. Like the baby has an item and it's something. <laughs> yes. could call in or, or, you know, tell us what, what baby features we, we should be doing. Because loads of people on maternity leave, of course, watch... This morning. And you know what? People always need the, the biggest thing that I used to sort of feel when I had a baby was however ever experienced you are, whatever you've done in your life, you know, however successful you've been at another job, being being a parent is something it's innate, but you don't there's no manual for it. And actually right. having the company of others helps so much. It helps so much to have a fabulous figure like you that's kind of helping people get back in shape post-pregnancy, chatting about it. All those things, you know, would it really matters to people because I was I was searching for that. I just used to have books. There weren't that many things. There were programs on weaning your baby, but like all the things like fitness and things, you'll be able to help so much on that. Yeah. Oh, I've so loved chatting to you today. And as I say, keep doing what you're doing, because honestly, you know, we, the, the fact you also, I mean, with things we didn't even cover. I know you work with the Public Health Better Health campaign, all these campaigns and things. They really matter. Health matters more than it ever did before. But we need great sort of cheerleaders like you leading the way. And I think that I think that's the thing. And, and, and you know, working as a GP, I work in quite a deprived area as well. And, and I have a I have a front yeah. seat view to to how much health matters but also I think you know just to mention inequalities as well I think this year has yeah. shone a light on the, the the tragedy that is the health inequalities yeah. that we have in this country I know I feel like moving forward to next year that's sort of my plan to utilize my media platform to try and raise more awareness and see if we can get some change and I think it does because I think COVID definitely it shone up the divide and we shouldn't have that you know we should all have the same equal thing.
again, exactly. If 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 we can shine a light on that, if we can, if if everybody can work towards that being the goal, yeah. then I think the world would be a better place. And then I feel like this whole Corona thing will have had there will have been a good knock-on effect, which, you know, n- nothing negates the loss of loved ones. And if we can take that forward and, and use that positively, then, yeah, potentially, potentially the world could be a better place. I hope you'll come back and chat to me again. I'd love to. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.